Welcome back to Ducks and Pucks. This is your host, uh, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones, uh, on a special uh, Easter edition for everybody. Um, hope you enjoy the holiday, and we're going to get you caught up on uh, the action. Um, we just had one game to look at uh, against Colorado this past uh, weekend, and uh, we'll preview the next uh, two games. Um, we'll also go over some stuff uh, regarding um, tie-breaking situations, uh, Corsi stats, uh, talk a little bit more about the playoffs and, and some things the Ducks need to do. Uh, but first, let's get back to the uh, Colorado game. And, uh, you know, this was a game I thought maybe the Ducks would win this one, Eddie, but it looked like we rested a lot of players and um, just came up short there at the end. Yeah, we couldn't really pull it out in the end. Uh, it was a, it was a good start, obviously, with the, the first two lines getting uh, getting going with uh, Sekach and Raquel getting us back into the game after uh, Mitchell scored early. And, um, and then finally, uh, you know, a pretty decent second period, but uh, Landis Cog converting on the power play and then, uh, Colorado shows why they were such a good team last year, and um, you know you give them a, you've got like Duchesne a breakaway, and you know, even without McKinnon, they're still a pretty fast team, and you know he's pretty much going to convert on that every time, and and then just not being able to convert, you know Varlamov, I mean uh, Barra, even though we thought Barra was going to be a good thing coming into this game, he ended up uh, stopping 35 or 37, and you know I think that was really the the big factor in this game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, he played extremely well. I mean, if you remember, too, uh, at the end of the second period there, uh, Kessler almost scored with about nine seconds left. And, uh, and then he uh, pulled the uh, Bo Jackson. You know, he broke the stick over his knee in frustration. Um, I mean, the game was still 2-2 two to two at that point. We had a chance. But I think the power play was, again, another problem, Eddie. Um, you know, we had some chances on the power play in the third period to – to tie the game and get, you know, force it maybe overtime. But, you know, the Ducks just couldn't get it done with the extra man. Yeah, and, and it's been a problem all season. The power play has been one of the worst in the league, which, you know, you look at some of the teams in in the in the top of the league, you see the Rangers and, and, the, and the Habs as well, and, and their power play is near the bottom 20 of the league too, which is something you don't see all the time. Usually you would expect a, one of the, the, you know, the three of the top teams in the league have their, their power play near the top, but... I think that's really become a trend lately, and and you know it's something that if the Ducks want to go far in the playoffs, they're going to have to to work on and and, and improve on, especially with the addition of Wisniewski on the blue line. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the playoffs and things that we can do uh, to you know that we'll get them better and uh, pass that second round, as a lot of people have harped on lately. Uh, you know, in this game, too, uh, a lot of players were rested. Um, Matt Bolesky, uh was out, uh, talked to him uh, practice on uh, Thursday. Um, he sh- he's going to be back for sure for the uh, playoffs, and we may see him in one or two of these last final games. Um, so he sat out rested. Um, Stoner rested as well. Um, and uh, they also had Getzloff out. Um, he wasn't sick or injured as far as I heard. It was just a healthy scratch. And, uh, you know, this was something that, uh, uh, you know, usually we're not too critical of, of the Ducks coaching staff and, and things. But I, I was a little upset by this, Eddie, just, just because of the fact that uh, the first seed is still up for grabs. Um, you know, going into this game, um, the Ducks needed to win to keep, the pace above the Predators. Um, obviously, the Predators lost uh, in overtime last night, which helped out the Ducks, and, and we're now back in control. But at the time of the game, we weren't in control. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't like to question the staff too much, but I don't know. I just think Getzloff probably should have played in this game, especially with the uh, four days off coming up here, Eddie. 
Yeah, you know, you, you see that a lot, though. You see that you've seen that in recent years, and uh, with the Penguins resting Crosby and Malkin for you know the final two or three games of the season, and and we've seen that before, you know, last year as well with the with the Ducks, and even when they're going for the President's Trophy last year, we've seen them rest Getzlaff and Perry at times, and. And, you know, you you just see it, it. It's just kind of a trend that happens in the in the final few games of the season. Uh, coaches want to make sure that their their players, you know, their star players don't get hurt in in the last few games. And you know, obviously, it it, it gets harped on because they ended up losing the game, and and Getzlaff could have made a you know a huge contribution to it. But you know, uh, it, it's not like it's uh, uh you know the reason they lost. Uh, they ran into a hot goalie and Barra, but. You know, I don't think it should be looked on on too negatively. You know, it happens all the time, and uh, you know, if you got to rest somebody, you, you want to rest Getzlaff so he doesn't get hurt for the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you. I just thought maybe the the time would have come against a more physical Dallas team, or maybe in that last game against Arizona. Uh, you know, when the first seed's locked up, but uh, in any event, it, it actually worked out for the Ducks because now that Nashville. Uh, lost in the overtime game. The Ducks are back in the driver's seat uh, for that first seat again, and we'll we'll talk about some of the tie-breaking things here in a moment and, um, when we talk about the playoffs. But uh, they're back in the spot, and um, that's a good thing. Um, you know, on this last game too. Um, what did you think about uh, Niasen? You know, a lot of people uh, were asking questions about that. Um, he did really well in his minor league hockey, and we can go over some of the stats. But uh, looked like he had a pretty good game in the, you know on that fourth line, Eddie. Yeah, you know, he only played about seven minutes, so it's not like we were expecting uh, uh, too much from him. I believe he also had a, a pretty good shot on goal, which uh, was a good chance for him. And you know, you're not going to get a lot of chances on that line. He was playing with. You know, two younger guys in, in Wagner and Edom. So you know, it's it's pretty much an energy line, and you know, he's a, a big physical guy, six two, two hundred and five pounds. So you know, I I believe he's right now. You know, he he might develop more skill when he gets more games in, in the NHL. But you know, he played a a physical checking role uh, with Wagner on that line, and and you know, opened up space for Edom. Uh, I think he had a pretty solid game. I don't, I wasn't expecting a ton from him, especially on that line. Uh, but uh, you know, it it wasn't a bad game. Um. You know, he he deserved the call up. He had 13 points and and uh, 23 games with Norfolk, so uh, I think it was a, a solid game for him, and, and you know he deserved the to get the call up in the end of the season. Yeah, and you know talking about that, uh, for those of you that don't remember, we ended up getting him in that Bobby Ryan trade uh, along with Silverberg. So that's how that all came about. If you, if you forgot about that, and uh, I also talked to uh, Danny about uh, Niacin too. Uh, if you some of you remember, we had her on the uh, podcast earlier when we first started this whole uh, process, and we're going to have her on too in the summertime. We're going to talk more about uh, the Admirals and the goals uh, when the season's over and then things settle down, but. Uh, she had some good things to say about Nyson. Um, you know, said that he can take the body well, um, that he'll go into those dirty areas and, and do the little things that people don't always notice. Uh, also mentioned that um, he's good at back checking, and um, really the only downside that she said, and, and you and I talked about this before, which is for most rookies, is just getting adjusted to the the speed of the game, Eddie. Yeah, you know that's the big thing. It's uh, we talked about it with, with Sekatch as well coming over from. Uh, from Europe and, 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 you know, adapting to the NHL. And it's the same thing coming up from the AHL, you know, the, the other before this season, the, the meaningful hockey that he's played is all, has only been in the OHL. So it's going to take a while for, for him to adapt. Uh, you know, he plays right wing where there's a little bit more space for him to, to crack the lineup, uh, you know, compared to some other guys. So you might see him, 
maybe take up that fourth line role if if they don't you know if Bolesky doesn't resign and and they they think he has a better chance over Jackman. But I think right now it's a, it's a little bit of a long shot for for the next season if he's going to play or not. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's something we'll have to look at, and and that brings up another point too. Uh, some of you remember we had Thomas that had been on before. Uh, he had written a lot of articles about the uh, prospects and everything in the summer. Uh, he's, again, going to do a whole bunch of uh, series of articles on all of those players as well and, and other players coming up from this last draft. So make sure, you know, in the summertime, we'll have plenty of information out there for you guys. I, I know that the summertime is kind of a, you know, downtime, but we're going to be covering all that minor uh, and uh, league and draft stuff for you guys. Um, going into this week, Eddie, um, the Ducks have got two games to go. Uh, we're four points ahead of the Predators for that final spot. And, uh, we also know that the Predators, um, have one game in hand. Uh, the good thing is now the Ducks are in the driver's seat. So, um, if we win out in regulation and overtime, uh, we can take home that, uh, top spot in the West, Eddie. Yeah, and I, you know it's it's growing more important every day. As you probably can see, Minnesota is going to be the team that's going to be in the second, uh, in the first wild card spot, and then it's going to be one of either Vancouver, Calgary, Los Angeles, or, or Winnipeg in that in that second uh, second wild card spot. And you know I don't think anybody wants to play Minnesota with how they've been playing. And we talked about it last week. They're they're good at home, good on the road. They've got good goaltending finally, and and they're starting to get scoring from guys like Vanek and Parise. So, um, you know that's why Rastin Getzlov I think was such a an issue, and that's why a lot of people were talking about it. And, and you mentioned too is, you know that that first spot that, you know means so much with with how the playoff matches are seeming to go, and you know possibly having to play the Kings if you get that get that first matchup, and you know it, it's a tough decision. Do you, do you want the the the, the Minnesota Wild, or do you want to take your chances and hope the Kings don't make the playoffs and you get a team like Winnipeg or Calgary? You know, it's it's a tough decision, but I think, and you know, all in all, everybody would like to to grab that first spot in the West for for the second year in a row. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I know some people make a, a big deal about home ice and others don't, but I mean, still, if you get down to a seventh game, you want to play that seventh game at home. I mean. Um, obviously that hasn't worked out for the Ducks recently, but I, I mean, I think things are going to be a little bit different and we'll, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. But, uh, one other issue that came up, I know a lot of people had questions about the ROW, um, and the tie breaking procedures. Just wanted to clear that up for everybody. Cause I know it can be confusing, but the way it works at the end of a season is when two teams are tied and when, and tied in terms of points, they look at ROW. And ROW is the regulation and overtime wins. Um, I know some people go, well, why don't they just look at the regular wins? Well, the, the reason why this is in place, and, and Eddie can help me out with this, is that they want the team that has played a better 60-minute game or a 60-minute plus the 5-minute overtime uh, session to advance over the other team. Because uh, we don't see it too much, but some teams could, in the overtime, you know, not play for the win play for the tie and then you know rely on a shootout eddie so that's kind of why that it was invented yeah and you know i think it's really just if you had to pick a tiebreaker out of anything it, it's really the most fair option you know goals for uh, you, you can't really pick that because there are some teams here at the top of the league that you know they don't score as many goals but that they win just as many games and if you go for wins and you're also including the shootout and and you know if the nhl is trying to phase out the shootout they want to a tiebreaker that's able to last past you know that phase of the, of the league so 
the ROW is is pretty much the the simplest way they can, you know, at least for the first tiebreaker, it's the simplest thing they can do. Then it kind of gets a little bit more complicated after that. But you know, it, it's a it's a fair thing, and it comes into play. And you know, it, for some teams, you know, the teams that just miss out on the playoffs because of it, and you could see a team like Winnipeg and. I'm sure if they miss out of the playoffs because of ROW to the Kings, a lot of their fans aren't going to be happy. But you know, there's, there has to be a way to split the tie. So I think you know if you had to pick a way, this is definitely the, the most fair fair way to split the tie. Yeah, exactly. And, and then the next one, basically, that separates it. If two teams are tied in the number of points and they're tied in the row, what they then look at is they look at the points against each other. For So, for example, they would look at the Ducks playing the Predators to the season and how the points would go. It's a little bit more complicated because it depends on the number of games, and I'll kind of make it as simple as possible, but basically if you play an even number of games, say two games against each other or four games, they take those points uh, against each other. Um, So if you've got obviously more wins and you get more points, you would have that tie break. Where it gets confusing is if there's an odd number of games. If there's an odd number of games, then they, they count the last two or the last four that would make that even. So they just wouldn't count whoever had the extra home game. And that's how it kind of works. Um, there's some links I put up um, on a couple of the articles, and I'll, I put some on Facebook. And I'll, you know, I'll keep putting those out there, and, and everybody can always uh, message me or email me, and I'll, I'll get you those um, little summaries and stuff to kind of explain that. But that's how it goes. Um, and like I said, if you have any more questions, just you, know, you can always contact us, and we'll try our best to uh, simplify it for you. Um, you know, going uh, into these uh, two games, Eddie, um, I, I think part of it's going to depend on what happens with uh, the Predators. They're playing, you know, Tuesday night before the Ducks play Wednesday against Dallas. So I think you, it's kind of hard to say what the lineups will be like on Wednesday. Um, if Nashville loses on Tuesday, I, I expect maybe some more players to be rested on Wednesday, Eddie. Yeah, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Perry is rested or Getzloff is rested. You know, um Maybe you know, I maybe you know Lindholm or somebody else, but I think if or maybe Kessler if it, if his uh, elbows are still bugging him, but I think if anybody's going to be rested, it's probably the two big guys. Um, you know, Perry's had, had two big games against Dallas so far this season. He's picked up four points. Uh, you know, it it all depends. If Bruce wants to make a push for the first in the West and he feels like he needs both of them in the lineup, then I'm 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 sure he's going to start them. It's not like we have. You know, two teams that are fighting for the playoffs are two really strong teams. We have to face going going into these next two games. Uh, we've beat the Stars both games this season, two one and and three one, and then the, the Coyotes are obviously one of the the worst teams in the league. So I I think there's probably a good chance somebody gets rested. Um, it all depends. You know, it's really up to Bruce if if he decides that he wants to go for it or you know maybe save the guys for the playoffs. Yeah, I think you're right on that, Eddie, and I think it depends on what happens in that, that Nashville game, too, because uh, there's there's probably two trains of thoughts here. If uh, Nashville loses, you know, you could put in most of the guys, beat Dallas Wednesday night, we're good to go, and then, you know, rest whoever you want against Arizona on that uh, final game on Saturday, so that's another option. Um, or, like you said, it's you may want to rest some more players because don't forget Dallas is a physical team. They play us, you know, physical if uh, Nashville loses, maybe Boudreaux says, hey, let's rest a few players. We don't want to risk anybody getting injured. So, uh, you know, I think for the way it's going to go, is you just really got to see what's going to happen on Tuesday. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think some players, regardless of the outcome of that game, will get rested. 
Yeah, and I think this is the advantage to to Nashville playing that game is it it really allows Bruce to do what he thinks is is going to be best for the team. And like you said, if Nashville wins that game, it, it puts a little pressure on the Ducks to to go and grab a win, or or Nashville, you know, is in the driver's seat for that first spot. But if they lose, then there's no way they can catch you if you lose the game. And all you have to do is win that last game against Phoenix. So you know you could rest Getzlaff and Perry, and then go all in that, in that last game against Arizona. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what's going to go on. And uh, I know some updates, too, on, on practice. We put up uh, on some of the guys uh, yesterday, uh, in case you missed it, uh, Bolesky and Maroon did uh, skate yesterday. I know there was some conflicting reports out there. What happened is they skated before the team skate at Anaheim Ice. So they were out there. Um, you know, Maroon had been battling being sick. Um, Bolesky had a lower body injury, which he'd been dealing with. And, you know, he's been banged up here and there. Uh, he had the shoulder um, issue too earlier in the season that kept him out for a little bit. But uh, I would expect them both to be back. Um, you know, maybe not the Dallas game, but they they should be back um, by Arizona game and uh, they definitely will be back for the playoffs. So that's kind of the update uh, there on that situation. And, uh, it, you know, it looks good. Uh, I think the good thing about this, Eddie, one of the things we talked about going to the playoffs is being healthy. And, uh, you know, all the Ducks right now are, um, you know, doing pretty well. Yeah, and, you know, that wasn't the case in the beginning of the season. They ended up fighting through it. And I think, you know, even if Bolesky's not ready and if Jackman's not ready and if some you know somebody else picks up an injury before the playoffs, so that's why we kept a guy Bolesky, like Bolesky, you know, and picked up these extra players to fill the depth. And, you know, with Nason coming up and getting some experience, I think, you know, if, unless somebody like unless Getzlaff, Perry, or, or Kessler are going to go down, I think you know we've got the depth to to fill up the lineup, uh, and, you know, and and fill any issues. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's the key. I think the team the team has the depth. Um, you know, we've talked about what's going on uh, for the playoffs and what they need to do, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, once this week's over and we do our next podcast, we'll have a series preview against you know whoever we face, whether or not it's you know, Calgary or Vancouver, the Kings, you know, um, highly unlikely, but maybe Minnesota, you just never know. So we'll have a whole uh, special podcast on that. But as we look at the playoffs now, um, we've already talked about the goalie situation. There's, there's not really much more to cover on that. Bruce just has to pick who he wants to, uh, start in there. Um, and hopefully he figures it out. Um, we, we all think it's going to kind of be Anderson, but we'll have to wait and see. But um, what else do you think, Eddie, the Ducks need to do? Um, there's you know, a few other things out there that people have been talking about. Um, what, what else can the Ducks you know, fine-tune in this uh, next week of practice and you know, the two games? Um, I think they've done a lot better at, at you know, fine-tuning the, uh, the penalty kill as of late. I, I think you know, the main thing right now is, is uh, making sure the power play is you know, in the top 10 you know, in the top at least eight in the in the playoffs, if not top ten at, at at the end of the season, I don't think they can reach that by now. But at least pick it up in the in these next two games and have it going going into the playoffs. And I think um, they've worked on it a little bit lately. Is is making sure that they they lock down those second periods and and not have those types of periods where they had to get out shot twenty to five or you know they're letting three goals on four shots like Calgary. So I I think those are the two main things they have to work on is just you know lock down the second period and then at least pick up the power play, and if you get five chances in the game, at least score once or twice. Yeah, I think that, that power play has been an issue. I, I think um, there was a report that you wanted to mention, too, about uh, they were talking about the Rangers, the Canadians, and, and the Ducks, and uh, they were harping on special teams, and they are also harping on 
uh, puck possession, weren't they not, Eddie? Yeah, there was an article on uh, NHL.com a while ago. I wasn't able to find it when I looked back, but uh, they talked about how the Rangers, Montreal, and Anaheim at the time, and I believe still now, are the are the top four teams, or top three teams in in the NHL, and and how they have to overcome you know, major odds to actually win the Stanley Cup. They looked at the past champions and, and you know, their power plays and penalty kills. Or at least one of them has been in the in, in the top 10, if not the top five. And then their Corsi percentages have been as well in the top, you know, usually the top five, if not the best. You know, the, the LA Kings and the Boston Bruins, Chicago Blackhawks have all been good puck possession teams when they've won the Cup. And then you look at the top three teams this year, you know, their power play are all in the bottom 20. Their penalty kills are not that great. Uh, and their Corsi percentages are also in the bottom 20. So, you know, it, that's I think that's where a lot of people look at Corsi and they say, well, well, does the stat really matter if you look at the top three teams in in the league and you say, well, if if those three teams aren't good puck possession teams, why does the stat matter? But then you also look at the last, you know, three or four Stanley Cup champions and they've all been good puck possession teams. And you look at where the LA Kings have come in the season and being a good, you know, good uh, puck possession team and coming in eighth and then end up going all the way and winning the Stanley Cup. So there's a lot of mixed reviews on the stat and, and if it really you know matters. But I think it's still it's still to be proven if if it matters. Obviously the results in the regular season say it doesn't, but then if you look at who's won the cup, you know you you could argue that it does. Yeah, and you know the Corsi stat just to explain it. There's a couple of of them out there uh, for you that don't know what it is and, and you know we're, we've gotten more familiar with it this season too but basically um when you watch a game sometimes you'll see you know one team has 40 shots and another team has 20 and you may sit back there and think oh man the team with the 20 shots isn't playing well um which isn't necessarily always true i mean sometimes yes it is but the way Corsi works is they look at your shots on net your block shots and your missed shots and what they do is they total that up and then they compare it to your opponent. So what happens is, is you want a higher percentage in your favor, basically. It's kind of like when we look at the face-off stats and, and you see your team has a, you know 52% or 53% face-off win um, per percentage. It's, that's how the Corsi works. You want to be above that 50%. You want to be the team that has the more shot attempts and blocks and, and, and on net. And the theory behind all of this is it, it's to translate it into – the team has the puck more is the team that's going to have more opportunities and is going to score more. And that's the, the simple way of explaining it. And it's not always the case. I, I guess the best way I can compare it, Eddie, is to, uh, you know, to the Oakland A's and, and their whole uh, on-base percentage. You know, they, they went on the theory that more base runners on base, you, you get more chances to score, you win the game. And so that kind of translates into this where Corsi is really based on, hey, whoever has the puck more and has more opportunities is the one that's probably going to win. Yeah, and you know the the real reason advanced stats have, have really come you know to a big thing since baseball and have, have worked their way into hockey is is that everybody wants to try and just have an edge and you know the the new thing to to try and have an edge on on their opponents and you know, of course he's worked its way and and you know I'm not gonna say you or me are are you know experts on Corsi I I know like a very vague amount and probably just the definition of Corsi but you know so if if you want to look it up for yourself you know feel free to go look it up uh, there's a lot of new advanced stats going along with Corsi the shot relativity you know a bunch of other things that look at the you know that show the game in a new light they're they're all pretty confusing compared to you know regular plus minus goals assists those kind of stats but you know the the they're a new way that a lot of people especially the old hockey guys and 
and you know the guys who are running the you know general managers of their teams and so on. A lot of them, um, you know, aren't really big on 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 the advanced stats yet. But I think they they do have a place. But it, it remains to be seen if they they really make a huge difference or not. Yeah, I think part part of the confusion too, Eddie, is um, Corsi by itself is a pretty good stat because it, it adds in the missed shots and block shots as opposed to just looking at you know plus minus numbers or or, or just shots in a game. Um, but we're, we're part of the problem comes in and I've seen this and I've been doing some research on this the last couple of weeks, trying to figure this out. And, and like you said, I'm not an expert and you're not an expert, but we're just trying to at least cover it. So everybody understands is when they talk about advanced Corsi stats, what they add in there is game situations. So basically you can go online and look and, and you can always, um, message me or email me. And I, I have several websites that explain it, but they look at, um, in addition to those shot attempts and, and blocks and whatnot, but they also look at when the score is tied, when teams are plus or minus a goal or plus or minus two goals, and there's a whole theory behind that too. I don't put too much weight behind that. I, I think it's a little bit too technical. Um, you know, regular Corsi, I, I, I think does make sense, but I just wanted to cover some of this stuff because I know it's come up and I put it in an article and uh, some people had some questions. But um, going to the playoffs, I think the the, the big key – is I mean puck possession is going to be a big key for the Ducks, but I think part of that is going to be the faceoff Eddie. I mean that's why we got Ryan Kessler. That's what that's what's going to help us, and I think that goes along with the special teams. I, I think those are really the two um, big areas that the Ducks need to uh, focus on, uh, whoever they play. Yeah, and I, I don't think it really means you know we have to go and change our game and and change ourselves to a puck possession you know team. I you know that's obviously that's you know we're not that type of team. Uh, and we, we've shown that all season we've been successful not being that type of team. So I, I think, you know, focus on more of the other things we've talked about, you know, power play and, and shutting down second periods, good goaltending, you know, solid defense, and, you know, chip, getting getting the ugly goals in front of the net, getting guys in front of the net like Maroon and Perry, and, you know, just sticking to our type of game that, that's made us successful all season. Yeah, I agree. I, I think one of the other big parts about it, and you touched on it, especially on the power play, and just on the forecheck is, is getting the big body in front of the net, you know, getting, you know, Jackman in there in front of the net, getting Maroon in there in front of the net. Um, that's one of the biggest keys. I mean, because you look at some of these goalies and, you know, you take Quick, for example. I mean, the way you beat him is you get people in front. I mean, that one goal he got all, you know, bent out of shape over is when we had Thompson in front of him and he couldn't see it. Um, I think that's the biggest key for the Ducks is, is to get that one single body in the front. Uh, especially on the power play. That's that's what I think has been missing. I think having uh, Botnin and Wisniewski in there is going to help, obviously, quarterback the power play and get those uh, blue line shots in there. But we just need more traffic, I think, uh, you know, especially on that man advantage, Eddie. Yeah, and you look at some of the goalies we'd have to play, you know, possibly Quick or, or Pavlik or you know, Ramo and Hiller, Miller and Lack or, or Dubnik in, in Minnesota. So, you're, you know, you're basically you're either playing a, a big goalie Who's playing well, or you know, one of the world's best goalies, or, or you know, some goalies who are playing really well lately. You know, you're not you're not really going in playing against a, you know, a goalie who's struggling or, or a smaller goalie. You know, you got to you got to get guys in front of these guys, especially if you know if you go in and you're playing a guy like Dubnik who's, you know, six five and you know, playing well lately. You got to get bodies in front of him so he can't see, because most of the time he's going to be able to to look over any of the screens. You know, you put a guy like Cogdano in front of the net, he's going to be able to to see over him. You want to get the, the big guys in front of the net, the guys who are going to pester him and you know, get under his skin. And I think that's you know why we picked up a guy like Maroon and and Perry's basically you know modeled his whole career after that. 
Yeah, I agree. And and I think, you know, another issue going into these playoffs is basically the closeout games too, Eddie. Um, you know, in the last three series, the Ducks have been in five closeout games and they've lost four of those five games. You know, two of them to Detroit, uh, game six and seven, obviously the two to the Kings in game six and seven. And then we pulled out that one against Dallas, though we had to come back, you know, and win in overtime. But I, I think the, doing the screens and working on the special teams and the forecheck and all those things are things that, that they're going to need to do a, a solid 60 minutes, um, especially in those closeout games. I mean, I'd really like to see whoever we play that if we get the opportunity to beat them in five or six games that we get it done, Eddie. And, you know, I think that they've shown a little bit of that this season. Obviously, you can't transfer it over to the playoffs, but you know, being able to hold out and close out these one-goal games and you know how many one-goal games we've won this season and, and, and rarely ever you know tossing away a lead and, and, and blowing a game I think is is a huge step forward and you know everybody's talked about all season if we can if we can transfer into the playoffs obviously you look at the goal differentials compared to all the other teams around us ours is is at least you know 15 points worse than than theirs but we're still sitting at the top of the standings and I think that's you know that that has to be because of all the one goal games we've been able to win and you know if that if that can transfer into the playoffs I think that's going to be a major factor in in being able to win those elimination games yeah I, I mean I know some people harp on the on the ducks uh, some of the other professionals out there talk about the the one goal games and and you know how it's kind of not necessarily a good thing to rely on it but I, I agree with you. I mean, when you go into these playoff games, I mean, the game of hockey is inches. Let's be real. I mean, a lot of these games in the playoffs come down to one goal or maybe two. I mean, you don't see five to one, six to one in a lot of these games. I mean, and playoff hockey is a whole another level of hockey. And uh, the fact that the Ducks can win one goal games and like you said, get that lead early uh, is probably a key. And, you know, basically hold it down because when, when they have the lead going into the third period, the Ducks are almost unstoppable, Eddie. Yeah, and even when they go down a couple goals in the third period, we've seen them score four goals or three goals in a period and, and come back and win it, you know, against a team or, you know, against Boston the other week, Perry getting the late goal and gets left pulling out an OT. They just seem to, you know, they, they did that a bit last season, but it was mostly just they were always coming from behind and that was the problem. And that, and then you go into the playoffs, and a lot of games you get behind, you can't come from behind. And I think that's where they've changed this season is is if they don't get behind often, you know, if they do, they still have that comeback effort. But usually they they try and get ahead and stay ahead. And, and if they they they're ahead going into the second period, they they can usually work it out and get a one goal win, which is you know, a, a big change from last season. Yeah, I agree, and I, and I think part of that too we talked about is the second period slump too. I think if the Ducks can eliminate that second period slump and you know maintain a one or two goal lead going into the third period, uh, that's going to be a key. And I think that's really going to be a key, you know, for this killer instinct in the in the playoffs. I mean, in order to close out these teams and take it to them, and and you know, it's also important, Eddie, because. If you keep playing seven-game series all the way, I mean, I don't care what team you are. I mean, you're going to get tired that eventually. People are going to get injured. I mean, it's just beneficial all the way around to try and win a series in five or six games. Yeah, you know, we've, we've seen it happen, obviously, L.A. last year winning um, those three first series in, in seven games each. And, you know, it, it can happen, but, you know, it, it's rare. And I believe that was the first time where a team is it's just one three game sevens to get to the Stanley Cup final so it doesn't happen often and you know you got to go in and, and either sweep a series or win one in five if you want to keep going and and you know have enough energy to make it all the way to the finals 
Yeah, exactly. So it would be beneficial. You know, I, I mean, it can happen, but I, I don't want to rely on Game 7s, obviously, given our track record in the last, uh, you know, three series. But, um, you know, another question that comes up, or actually, I guess a lot of comments, too, a lot of, a lot of people uh, draw attention to Boudreaux and uh, the playoffs, and, you know, he's he's been in the postseason six times now, uh, you know, four times with Washington, and a couple times with the Ducks now, and uh, hasn't got past the second round, so I get a lot of questions about, you know, what's going to happen, you know, if this or that, and, you know, I don't like to go into speculation mode. I mean, you know, a lot of people are saying if we don't get past the second round, you know, something's going to happen. But one of the things I wanted to bring up, and uh, I had talked about this on another podcast too, is, you know, a lot of people look at Sutter and Quinville as really good coaches. And obviously they are. They both won, you know, two Stanley Cups in the last um, recent five, six years here. So obviously they're doing something right. But I just wanted to compare Boudreaux to them so people know um, you know, when uh, Sutter started, and granted, there are different teams that he coached. He coached Calgary. He also actually coached the Blackhawks back in the day, too. But his first 10 seasons uh, where he was a coach, he only got past the second round one time. And Quinville, in his 12 years, uh, first 12 years, he only got past the second round twice. So I know people look at Boudreaux and go, oh, he hasn't gotten past the second round in six years. So I just want to put that in perspective so people realize that. Um, I mean, obviously the expectations are high this year. They were high last year. I'm not saying that if he doesn't get past the second round that that we shouldn't be hard on him. But I'm just saying, put it in perspective, those two coaches, it it took over a a decade to get, you know, uh, where they are, Eddie. Yeah, and it's really coming down to to getting the right team put together, having your style of coaching work with the players that you have and just have everything clicking and – Winning enough games and to to make the playoffs and then and making the round of the Stanley Cup Finals and you look at the teams you look at the Chicago teams that have won the cup and you look at the LA teams that have won the cup and you know you look at the the teams they've had with Kopitar and Doughty and Quick and you know they've had goaltending defense two centers two solid centers with they've, they've talked about how the West you need to have two big centers and Kopitar and Carter and you look at you know Taze and Kane and Hosa and, and Sharp and Crawford and Keith and and Seabrook and in Chicago it's not, it's not like they've won with with terrible teams you could you could argue those were the you know two of the best teams in in the that have won the cup in, in a long time two of the just the, the you know solid teams you look at some of the other teams that won, you know, the Penguins won, you could just rely on, on Crosby and, and, and Malkin. But you know, I think it all comes down to, to the, you look at Boudreaux and you know, does his style of play work with the Ducks? And, you know, you look at the last two seasons, you have to say it does. And, you know, have we, do we finally have, you know, the depth and, and the quality to, to make a long run? And, you know, bringing in Kessler and having finally, you know, a second line center that is actually of quality compared to some of the guys we've had you know, since Andy McDonald and the other guys since we won the cup. And, you know, I think this is the, the year where it really matters. And I think that, you know, we've got everything in place and the style's working and, you know, everybody's playing well. I think, you know, if we can, everything can click and, and we can, you know, get everything to work in the playoffs. And I, I definitely think this is probably the year we can get past the second round. Yeah, I agree, Eddie. I, I think, you know, other than the power play, I, I mean, I think everything's going well for the Ducks. Like you mentioned, we've got the two good centers now, the one-two punch in Kessler and uh, Getzloff, and the defense is uh, pretty rock solid now. Murray, you know, we talked about before he won the trade deadline. I, I don't care what people say. He he did phenomenal. Uh, if he wasn't the best uh, GM during that time, then uh, he had to be in the top five or three at least. 
Um, so all the pieces are there. The defense is there. Uh, goaltending, you know, we'll just we'll get one goalie picked and, and then we'll go with that. So I, I think this is the year the Ducks do get past the second round. Um, will they go to the Stanley Cup final? Win it all? Obviously, that's what we want. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I have a lot of uh, faith that the team will, will get that far. I, I think they can beat anybody we play in the West. Um, if we get that far, you know, it'll depend on who we play in the East. If it's, you know, a New York uh, Ranger team or, uh, you know, Montreal or someone else, you know, sneaks in there and surprises everybody, I don't know. But uh, I, I have a lot of confidence in the coaching staff and the management of the team. And I, I do think that they're going to go uh, far uh, this postseason. And I think it's a good thing uh, for the fans, Eddie. I think it's going to be an exciting time, uh, you know, the month, uh, months of uh, April and uh, May and hopefully the beginning of June. Yeah, and you know, I think when you look at a lot of people harping on the coach, I I think it's hard to throw, you know, the the, the most winningest coach in, in NHL history, and at least the winningest active coach right now under the bus with the two seasons he's had lately, and you know, possibly clinching the Western Conference for two seasons in a row, back to back, fifty win seasons and three uh, division titles in, in a row. You know, it's it's hard to you know, obviously it all comes down to playoff success, but it's hard to throw him under the bus and say oh we need a new coach or it's his fault that we haven't got past the second round you know it's not easy there's only 16 teams and and usually all 16 have a chance to go far and it's not easy to to win 20 you know 16 games and and win the stanley cup so uh, i think it you know everybody's just gotta uh, believe in bruce you know i i think maybe five down five years down the road if we've made the playoffs every year and haven't got past the second round there might be an issue but it's only been a couple of seasons, and uh, I don't think it's a real issue right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that we're we're set now. It's just a matter of staying healthy this next week, ironing out those little issues, and we'll be fine. Um, and we'll be good. And like we said, you know, next week we'll do a podcast. We'll preview whoever we're going to play, go over all that. Um, we've also got the podcast up uh, on a couple more places now. Um, it's up on uh, Stitcher.com, so you can go on there and check it out. Um, I'm getting it on uh, TuneIn.com as well. Uh, I had to submit some stuff, so it should be up on there too. Obviously, it's still up on iTunes and YouTube, of course, but we're just trying to get it in a few more places just to um, get it out there. And uh, for those of you that are still doing the, the competition or contest, I should say, for the uh, two tickets to Fan Appreciation Night, Make sure you go back. Uh, if you listen to the last four podcasts, there's a keyword that we gave out at the end of those podcasts that make up a phrase. Uh, if you think you have the phrase, go ahead and email it to us. It's um, ducksinpucks at usa.com. Uh, we extended the deadline too. We're uh, going to let everybody um, have till Monday night at midnight. You know, I know that uh, we did the last podcast in the middle of the week, so I want to give people you know more opportunity to uh, get in that drawing. And uh, email us, like I said, by Monday night at midnight. We'll um, announce the winner Tuesday. Uh, there'll be two tickets, uh, Section 418 to uh, Fan Appreciation Night on Wednesday. And um, also check out our shirts. Um, I found out that one of our writers is actually a really good artist. I wish I would have known sooner. But uh, we've got a Bolesky design already done that we'll be announcing in this week. Uh, we have a Cogliano one that's being worked on and, and a couple more that are coming too. Um, you can check out all the shirts on dnphockey.com. Uh, just, that's just the abbreviation for Ducks and Pucks, so it's dnphockey.com. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week, and we'll be talking about the playoffs, Eddie. Uh, you know, I'm excited. I can't wait. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think everybody's excited to see how it's going to go and, and who we get mashed up with in the first round. All right, and that's it. Hey, everybody have a happy Easter. See you next week.